www.disneytimepodcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Disney Time Podcast. I'm your host, Micah, and joining me today are my co-hosts, Nelson. Hello. And Rissa. Hello. Hey, guys, how's it going today? Good. Doing all right. All right, cool. So, you guys uh, excited about the news of, of Disneyland? Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. I mean, I, I was happy to hear that they finally decided a date, but... Um... I don't know. It's kind of still a scary time. And I even saw that people were like signing an article for Disney to delay the opening. Yeah, I, I'm i a little worried for the cast members, in all honesty. Yeah, it's a bit scary. I mean, a lot of the places that are reopening, they're seeing spikes and stuff. So, Well, it's, it's just a concern that um, some people that see this reopening think that it's back to normal, but it's it's... It's far it's from not. it still. It's, it's not normal. Like, there's... People still need to be careful. They're saying a second wave, but I don't even think the first wave ended. So it's no. like, you know, people think, oh, yeah, everything's regular again. Not really. Not yeah, really. It, it, it's, it's kind of sad when I see these posts on social media. Um, they're like, oh, yay, San Francisco's opening again, slowly but surely. And, you know, people are not six feet apart they're not wearing uh masks and whatnot so um it's what i'm concerned about with disney uh i just they haven't released the information that we need to know to decide whether we're gonna sign on for the reservations or not yeah i mean we still have to see what's gonna happen right but i guess they're they decided on july 17 because of the 65th anniversary so it's kind of like bittersweet right yeah yeah i'm just a little worried that it's too early yeah, I could see why they did it because of yeah, the 65th anniversary and it so happens to be a Friday also. But wow. uh, yeah, it's a Friday. <laughs> so, you know, right at the start of a weekend. But um, yeah, I'm still cautious about um, wanting. I mean, I still want to go, but. Right, right, right. But you got to yeah, definitely take precautions. You, you definitely won't see us on the first weekend. That's no. for sure. Even even for me, the wo- who lives significantly closer, but I definitely won't be going. Probably not till August, maybe even. Yeah. Yeah, definitely have to see what's going on, yeah. I'm kind of waiting for at least the Disney properties to open up because I feel more comfortable staying there rather than staying at an outside property where the cleaning restrictions and whatnot might be not as strict. Yeah, I mean, they they are showing, like, even in Florida, they're... Their mousekeeping is a lot. They're, they showed their plan for keeping all the rooms clean. It's quite thorough too. It's very detailed and 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 like everything from the coffee maker to all the surfaces is getting cleaned. You kind of wish that they do that all the time, though. Yeah, definitely. But you know, <laughs> they try to uh, be quick when they when they do their cleanings, right? Because <laughs> yeah, turnover I mean, and whatever. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely. All right. So. Today's episode, we're continuing on unpacking the Pixar theory. So if you guys remember last week, we did like an intro to the Pixar theory, uh, talking about the original theory from 2013 that John Negroni came up with, 
So on today's episode, we're going to talk about some of the movies that he has already added in since then, because there have been some movies that have been added since 2013, obviously. Um, so today we're going to talk about Inside Out, The Good Dinosaur, Finding Dory, and Coco, uh, because he he kind of explains some of these theory, uh where they tie in. So you guys ready to talk about these movies? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. All right. So the first one that we'll start with is um, Inside Out. So, Rissa, you want to uh, intro it for us? Yeah, so John Negroni claims that Pixar has revealed the source of human energy. He says that it's emotion and also imagination that has differing power levels of power based on a person as demonstrated in Monsters, Inc. We also get to meet Bing Bong, who is an imaginary friend who appears to be based on a comedic monster that Riley possibly could have encountered post-Monsters, Inc., yeah, so it's very interesting here what he brings up in this theory about, um, because if you remember the last episode, they were talking about how humans were being used as the energy source for the machines and for the monsters as well. And um, so he he's saying that the introduction here to the energy source from the humans is their emotions. And he's saying that joy has the is like the highest power. Because if you look at uh, the energy coming from Monster, like at Monsters Inc., laughter was was way stronger than fear. Mm-hmm. They were, he was saying that um, that joy is like the leader of the emotions and stuff like that. Since children uh, have the strongest emotion, and it's joy, it's inherently yeah. stronger in children. So yeah, so this movie actually fits in between uh, in the original theory between Up and. Um, in the original theory, he had it as cars, but in the refresh of the theory of including all of these movies, there's a prologue for Wally, um, and then also after Cars one, two, and three, there's the actual story. So, in the original theory, 2013, um, between Up and Cars. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it fits in right, right in there, you know. Yeah. So Nelson did. There was a significance with Bing Bong. Did you see what Negroni's uh, thing on Bing Bong was? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so basically, she, he was saying that Bing Bong was um, Riley's Her monster. monster, yeah. So in order for the, the humans to rationalize the monster as a kid, they turn them into their imaginary friends. And that's why he ends up in her, you know, in her mind because that's his ima- her imaginary friend who was her monster going through the door and making her laugh. So some people actually tried to connect Boo and Riley because of the facial model where she kind of just looks like a blonde version of Boo. And then they tried to say that Riley is Andy's mom, which doesn't make any sense because of the age difference and like when she would have grown up. So that was people grasping at straws. John Negroni himself doesn't believe that those are connected. Yeah. The interesting Easter egg in this was the introduction of Carl and Ellie. Right. Rissa, you want to explain that one? Yeah. So there was, I think there was a, a picture of Carl and Ellie's wedding from Up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That flashed in there. Yeah, that flashed in there. But Carl and Ellie didn't have any kids. So could she have been a distant relative? Like, who? how How does this work? <laughs> you know, how, how are they related? Yeah, that's one of the things. It's just like, for me, I feel like that's just an Easter egg thrown in there. Yeah. You know? Which, in my opinion is 
one of the things that throws a wrench into this whole theory. Because, <laughs> like, if you're just saying that one thing is just an Easter egg thrown in, aren't all of these? Yeah, right. what counts as an Easter egg versus, you know, evidence for the, the for theory, the theory itself. Yeah, exactly. Because they, they, throw in, they throw in a bunch of Easter eggs all the time, like, you know, Pizza Planet truck and mm -hmm. Globe from Toy Story and a picture of Nemo that says, find me in Imagination Land, you know. And, uh, like, her classmates wearing shirts with Arlo from The Good Dinosaur and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. They they even, talking about, they, there was one thing that he mentioned about the Chinese takeout box. The, the design is also the same one from The Bug's Life. And mm -hmm. he was saying it's it could be because the same restaurant exists in both movies. And there's probably still some remnants of the takeout box hundreds of years later when Flick and the gang was... They were having their adventures, so mm -hmm. that was a connection. And I think he also tried to connect somehow Toy Story with uh, Red Riley. I don't know, because... That was uh, Andy's mom. Oh, yeah, yeah, because they moved to San Francisco, and uh, the Toy Story takes place in the Tri-County area, which is supposedly like... The Bay? The Bay Area, yeah. Yeah. Three counties in the Bay Area or something like that, so it's... I don't know. Yeah, the timing doesn't work, though. I'm also wondering about the Tri-County area being the Bay Area, because if you remember, like, there was snow in one of the yeah. the, the Toy Story movies. In Toy Christmas Story time. 1. Yeah, yeah, the first one. Yeah, I'm skeptical about that. How is that even part of the Tri-County area, right? Like, there's no snow in the Bay Area. Yeah, I would assume that it's somewhere in the East Coast. because Or, or the Midwest or something. Yeah, because you can actually see the seasons throughout the Toy Story series. So maybe Chicago or something like that, right. or somewhere in the East Coast. Just because of the, the landscape with in Toy Story 3 with Lotso going through farmlands and whatever, and Jesse being, you know, abandoned at a tree and whatever. So yeah, there's like different things that it doesn't make me think of the Bay Area. Definitely. But but Riley for sure was in the Bay Area. Was in San oh, Francisco. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> yes. That was I, I definitely recognized one on ramp to the Bay Bridge. I was like, oh, I've gone on that multiple times. Right. Yeah, exactly. And and like crossing the Golden Gate and you're like, Oh yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, that's recognizable. Yeah. So I think the key part of Inside Out's inclusion of this is the connection of emotions and bing bong, really. Yeah, those two things. What do, you, what do you think, Nelson? you think that's like the key there? Well, I mean, there would be a good reason to be why how Riley came up with Bing Bong. Because Bing Bong's such a, an interesting combination of things and just has an interesting shape altogether that would definitely have a... Like be, having a, an assigned monster that would, you know, that would probably be a good template for her imaginary friend. So yeah, that, that's a pretty interesting uh, take on, you know, making that as a connection. I, I also like the idea that the reason why they went with children over adults is because the emotions of adults, they are portrayed as more balanced mm -hmm. than the children. The children have really strong emotions one way or another. Yeah, they're and more so, active. Yeah, exactly. So when they're happy, it's like really joyful and stuff. Well, there's also the factor that with children, they find creative ways to rationalize things that they encounter. With an adult, you'd probably see a lot more dead monsters. 
<laughs> because they have access to guns and they'd probably shoot a monster coming out of their closet. Right. Yeah. Like, what What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, if you recall in Monsters, Inc., when Randall got exiled, he got sent to that trailer park and the guy was about to shoot him because he was some weird lizard. Remember? Oh, yeah. Another gator gun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, they wouldn't be scared of the monsters. And, you know... I don't know. Would they laugh, though? Adults? Maybe. Yeah, would they I, laugh at the monsters? I think they... they would uh, probably attack it before oh, they be, even be... got a, a chance to make them laugh. They try to, they'll try to capture it or something. Yeah. Be like, I found the Yeti. <laughs> right, exactly. Or or they'd enslave it like uh, in the Tiger King. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so what do you guys think? Do you think it's um, this is a good connection here to the theory? Like, does it fit? Does it, does it not really fit? I think it strengthens the theory, honestly, because it adds more depth into why and how the monsters and machines figured out that humans' energy was important because it's through emotion. And um, you can basically see when, when you zoom into Riley's head how how powerful emotions are and how it drives uh, her actions and her, her choices, so... Yeah, I think it's it's pivotal in that point. I don't think the introduction of Bing Bong was too important, but it, it's definitely a great connector to Monsters, Inc. What do you think, Nelson? you think it fits the theory? Yeah, at first I was kind of skeptical on, you know, it just seemed convenient trying to connect the emotions with energy. But, you know, thinking about it some more, I'm, it kind of does fit quite nicely. I mean, it's it's plausible, but again, you know, this this whole thing is just a theory. Definitely. I think it's pretty cool how he connected it. It looks like it fits well, you know, showing the insides of the human emotions and stuff like that. So, yeah, energy source for monsters and the cars are the machines. So let's uh, move on to the next movie here that he came up with the theory for or he added into the theory. And that movie is The Good Dinosaur. And this the this movie takes place, you know, millions of years ago it you know it explains basically the beginnings of the of the whole thing Rizzy, you want to overview it sure so the good dinosaur it kicks off the alternate universe of pixar because an asteroid misses earth thus preserving the dinosaurs so millions of years later we see first accounts of animals displaying incredible intelligence when left to their own devices as well as the unique effect humans have on their environment so the world becomes less optimal for dinosaurs to roam over time, possibly due to overpopulation or some sort of change in the environment. And as a result, storms are a product of the change. The world gradually corrects the imbalance of reptiles and mammals caused by the lack of the extinction level event. The same occurs with man and machine in the future. This movie is connected to Up!, due to the prehistoric birds and raptor hybrids seen in The Good Dinosaur. So in this theory, mutts found Kevin's eggs, which have slowed down the aging process. So Kevin's existence and the evolution of the species gives rise to supers. And then mutts was shamed for the discovery because it was a cover-up to show why only Americans have powers in The Incredibles. And in this theory, since dinosaurs die gradually, there's less oil and they're running out of oil in the Pixar universe. Yeah, that kind of connects it to the cars thing, right? Where they were saying that the cars were running out of oil 
And that's how they got wiped out. Since the dinosaurs survived and they didn't die as quickly mm -hmm. uh, as a catastrophic event, there's not as much oil. So that's why they had the whole thing with the all in all and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So in my opinion, the good dinosaur, even though it adds like a really big gap between the good dinosaur and brave in terms of time, it definitely adds more to the theory because it connects a lot of different movies. Like it connects up it connects the incredibles it connects cars and you get to see the early changes in animals and the intelligence of animals what do you think of the, of the theory on this one nelson so my first thought was i was trying to remember the whole story of the good dinosaur because it's kind of far far back in my memory all <laughs> oh, right right okay <laughs> but thinking back on it it's like this whole movie is practically an earth what if you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, I mean, it, it kind of explores the, the question, like, uh, how Rissa started out. What if an asteroid actually missed the Earth and didn't actually cause the dinosaur extinction? So, I just found that uh, pretty funny. But I agree with what Rissa was saying, too, how I was surprised on how, like, all these other Pixar movies kind of had a connection. Like, I didn't even think about Kevin from Up!, She's a dodo bird, you know, a mm -hmm. pretty old, supposedly extinct bird. And then with the the low oil, per se, and that would, you know, feed into Cars 2, uh, that whole plot line there. So I was, I was actually like, wow, okay. It had more, I don't want to say depth, but it had more connections than I anticipated. <laughs> yeah. I feel like it's kind of pivotal now to the Pixar theory, and it really beefs it up more. It does add to the question still of where does magic come from? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. It, it didn't really address that question. It kind of yeah. showed how dumb humans were initially mm -hmm. <laughs> in comparison to animals. And how smart animals can get if right. they're left to their own devices, which right. kind of like lends itself to Remy and Ratatouille, the ants in Bug's Life. And, 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 and the fish, find, yeah. Yeah, and Finding Nemo. So it kind of helps in that regard because you basically can say it's not really due to radiation or the zero point energy it's just if people don't interfere with them they can develop intelligence yeah arlo's family became farmers right like mm -hmm. yeah apparently animals created farming not right, humans. right exactly <laughs> so it's like you know they they're they're becoming smart on their own which is what they're saying here yeah as long as you know humanity didn't interfere I find it uh, interesting that nature is still correcting itself and the dinosaurs are, in essence, still getting extinct mm -hmm. because they're running out of food source, you know? Yeah. Okay, it's, they're going to get extinct anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I think he kind of alludes to the magic source through Kevin. Oh, yeah, yeah, the eggs. He was saying yeah. that the eggs of Kevin was were being collected by months and that was what was keeping him from aging very rapidly. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of interesting because Munz was a lot older than Carl. Oh, yes. Significantly. And he was still around. So it's like, how did that happen? And that's, I think, what he was saying about the magic. Yeah. Since Kevin is uh, supposedly like linked to the dinosaurs. And if I recall, I don't recall uh, Munz looking older than Carl. No, they looked about the same age. Yeah, exactly. Right. Even though way. he's supposed <laughs> to be older, like quite significantly. 
he should be because they were what him and uh ellie were Looked watching up to him. yeah yeah they were watching videos of him in his youth as uh an explorer exactly and that's why they're saying also that like why are the dogs why are they intelligent enough to to like talk and stuff right they, yeah was it really months who gave them the ability to talk or were they like magic <laughs> yeah so is it actually those devices or are they actually super intelligent exactly exactly because i mean remy actually talks english or french i guess technically french yeah <laughs> yeah did he actually communicate with linguini i don't know like verbally i don't think he did it was yeah, just pointing and, and yeah. such yeah, he was trying to like sign to him though, but that's still he's trying to communicate with a with you know. Right. Yeah, there was that at least some form of communication. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was interesting that this good dinosaur here too. Have you guys ever seen like a cassowary bird in real life? It looks like a dinosaur. <laughs> well, there's the whole thing where scientists these days are saying that velociraptors and whatnot are actually bird-like looking creatures. They're right. not reptilian. So, yeah, so they even um, introduced the, the Dynaco logo. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Dynaco oh, right. yeah. company, yeah. Yeah. It looks like a long neck. So they're just, they're pretty much remembering, their, you know, having the memory of the predominant species, which was the dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. And there, there are a couple of other Easter eggs throughout Pixar movies, like in Inside Out, there's that fossil-looking structure statue that looks like the, the same one with the all the horns oh yeah the, yeah where all the animals yeah. were on him on the mm -hmm. yeah yeah i think his name was forest because he had the animals from the I've forest i've never living. watched it so oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah that i mean they they he really connected it there so what do you think Risa? what do you think of his fitting it into the theory here uh, i think it actually fits i see a lot less holes in in this inclusion but it, it might just be because i've never watched the movie so seeing the summary in this way helps my understanding of his theory more but like i said i haven't actually watched the good dinosaur what about you nelson How, what do you think about this fitting into the, his timeline i kind of agree with a comment rissa had where i mean there's just a such a huge gap there's this movie the good dinosaur and then the next closest thing is brave and that's like the 1400s yeah he actually revised his timeline too so i think he said it's actually set in the 10th century instead of the 13th oh yeah he did he oh says 10th yeah century. yeah yeah now that i see the timeline again yeah but um yeah that's still from, a long way from true. 65 million yeah. years to the yeah, 10th yeah. century right oh no it definitely is but yeah. yeah he changed things around a lot too yeah i mean when you get new information you have to revise things right yeah well I have to agree. I mean, I think it really fits in, even though there's a really huge gap between this and the next thing, you know? Mm -hmm. But, you know, it it, it kind of shows the intelligence of animals, which fits with his theory about intelligent animals. <laughs> yeah, but it kind of changes his theory too, right? Because in the original theory, it was more along the lines of they were becoming this way because of the way that humans were interacting with them and possible radiation and you know different energy sources changing their behavior that's right and this one is saying that they didn't even need that they were becoming intelligent on their own yeah yeah and then my question here is did boo or the witch pop back to 65 million years ago oh that's a good question 
Yeah, I don't think the wisps were really necessary or like connected or even, yeah, I guess necessary back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have just started happening around the time of, of Brave. Yeah. Or at least that's the first recording right, of them. Right, right, exactly. The thing about the witch and this theory of Boo is that she goes through doors and it just randomly pops into different places. Is it not feasible for her to pop into this area because there's no door? Uh, no, there are. There are? Yeah, Arlo's house. Ah. They made a house. Okay. Yeah, so, right. that intelligent, right. yeah. yeah. <laughs> they are, yeah. Interesting. So she possibly could have, right? Did, yeah, if you put it that way, yeah, she possibly could have. Did they leave the pizza truck or any other things in uh, the good dinosaur? That is a good Supposedly, question. <laughs> you know, because they always put the A113 and the pizza plant uh-huh. truck in there, but I have I don't remember seeing it in the movie. It's probably but... really hidden, yeah. like in some rocks or whatever. I would think, yeah, maybe a rock, maybe a shaped as the truck. Yeah, formation or optical illusion or something, right? Yeah. Yeah, something. or something like in in the stars or something, you know. Oh, kind of like a constellation. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. I'd have to rewatch it, but I'm not really overly wanting to. <laughs> <laughs> Better things to watch. <laughs> definitely, definitely. So, yeah, that was um, that was how he placed the good dinosaur in there. So... The next thing that he tried to place is Finding Dory, because that was the next thing that came out. Brissa, do you want to talk about the setup of this thing? Yeah, so this movie clearly changes Dory's role within the Pixar theory, because if you recall, in the original theory, it was alluded that Dory was experimented on, so that's why she had short-term memory loss, and she was super intelligent, she could read and whatnot. But as we know in Finding Dory... Dory was born into captivity, so she grew up constantly surrounded by humans and the signs from the exhibits that she's able to remember. So as animals become entrenched in human fixtures and attention, they're able to expand their personalities and capabilities. So the process behind this is is that as humans get involved with different animals, it speeds up the process that we saw in The Good Dinosaur. This movie connects to Toy Story because there's actually a single plastic fish toy that moves around in the gift shop and the fish prods Marlin over and over again until they finally notice that the fish is tapping the glass, pointing directly at the path that they need to take in order to escape. And the idea is the toy fish is alive and is trying to help Nemo and Marlin without revealing itself since there's so many people around watching. Yeah, I found that interesting. Like when you look at that scene where the fish is trying to point them to where they're going to go, it looks like the toy fish was just a toy. Yeah. Right? Well, but it's, it's supposed to be right, just right. a toy. But it but it's like could it be, you know, part of the Toy Story world where it's really actually trying to help, you know? I think it's plausible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's technically a toy and um, yeah. it's shown in this universe that toys are alive. Mhm. It'd yeah. be plausible that, yeah, this toy was just trying to help and it's uh, discreetly. <laughs> Definitely. What do you think, Risa? How, how, how do you think it, it worked here? Because I know in the original one, he was like, oh, she was experimented on. That's why she's so smart and stuff. But then it kind of threw a wrench in there, right? For me, I feel like this movie is probably the start of the undoing of the Pixar theory. Oh, yeah? 
Yeah, I, I don't think it adds to it. I, I think that it kind of d- detracts from it because as a story, like the Pixar theory with having animosity towards humans with, you know, how the fish are abused, this, they're destroying the, the ocean because of human overpopulation and whatnot. I think that that helps in the way that his theory points towards, you know, humans having to leave Earth. Whereas in this, you actually see humans trying to help fish and the environment through the Marine Life Institute. And I don't think it helps it very much. Hmm. What do you think, Nelson? Do you think it helps it or no? Yeah, personally, I don't feel that Finding Dory is necessarily like it's needed to be a part of the Pixar theory because I feel like it's just a side story if you were to to try and relate it to the Pixar theory because sure, it provides some like supporting evidence for some things like we were talking about that toy. Yes. But I mean, this is just essentially an origin story for Dory. And for one thing, it debunked the original like thought or theory behind Dory, but yeah, I just feel like this movie in particular, it's not really meant or it should be included in the Pixar theory because in retrospect, it's more of a a side story. One of the Easter eggs that I did like was the reintroduction of Darla from Finding Nemo. Mention that one. There's the picture of her. Mm -hmm. So go ahead. Oh yeah. There's a connection to P. Sherman. He loved to work by the sea, right? And he lost his fish in the tank they all got out right so he was the uncle and there is a picture when dory's swimming that you see in the background it's darla it's that same picture that was in his office where she had the fish that was dead because she was shaking it a lot so it's like you know he eventually devoted his life to studying aquatic life in california it's like a dream because it was preluded in the fact that he scuba dived far into the ocean just to take photos and he took nemo from there so that was the the Darla thing in there. And uh, there was also a little reference to Wally as well. Did you see that one, Rissa? Yeah, the calendar. Yeah. And then Sigourney Weaver. That's another thing. Sigourney Weaver, they used her as the voice for the announcements. And they also used her as the voice for the announcements on the Axiom. Yeah. I think that was more of a an Andrew Stanton thing, though, because he is the director for both. Right. And just another Easter egg type of thing. Yeah. The calendar, I kind of feel like it's reaching, but I can understand why he wanted to include it because of by and large. And that's the whole point of, you know, including these things, saying that the corporation is is going to create all this toxic air and whatnot. Yeah. So, yeah, that was Finding Dory. So both of you guys think it, it kind of detracts from the whole overall theory, right? I do. Well, my stance is I don't think it should be included it's not necessary, at least. It's just a side, like it should be like a side thing, side adventure or something like mm-hmm. that. It doesn't add to the, the theory. Yeah, I kind of agree with that, too. It's like, you know, if you leave it out, the Pixar theory should be okay without adding that that extra, the sequel, basically. Yeah, I mean, in, in his revised timeline, it's just grouped in with Finding Nemo anyway. And he just uses it as another way to bolster his argument that animals are starting to present humans. Well, yeah, I mean, the humans were polluting the oceans and creating all this all this uh, junk and garbage and starting to create, I mean, have by and large getting bigger and bigger. So that's how he, it will help his argument, basically. Mm-hmm. But I agree with Nelson, too, that it's not needed. Definitely, definitely not needed. 
All right. So, I mean, the last thing that we're going to talk about is, is Coco. He actually added Cars 3, Coco, Incredibles 2, and Toy Story 4 in an upcoming book that he hasn't released yet. <laughs> yeah. Rissa, you want to talk about Coco from the timeline that he did release? Yeah. So this information is from the photo timeline that I, I don't remember where I found it. I think I just Googled it. But it has like the full layout of the timeline starting from the good dinosaur all the way to the end of the epilogue of Monsters, Inc., which is Boo, the witch. So in Coco, likely it's going to take place in 2017, the year of its release. And Coco is, as we know, about a young child that goes through an adventure in the land of the dead. John Negroni believes that there's a hint of how human energy transfers itself in the afterlife through this movie and that there may be clues hinting at the connection between the corporeal spirits and the wisps from Brave. Interesting. What do you think about that, Nelson? <laughs> well, I just find the movie Coco being just like a beautiful, like one of the more relatable movies out of in, in Pixar because, you know, it really focuses on... I don't want to say superstition, but... Like a tradition? tradition. Yeah, tradition and culture from you know, a Mexican culture. And it's just a beautiful movie. <laughs> so that that's... I'm kind of hung up on that. And um, sure, if, you know, they're trying to find a way to connect it to this Pixar theory, that I guess that's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he fit it in here in the year 2017. He says it's likely taking place in the year. So that's the same year it came out. And it's just like, I don't know if it really will connect everything the way that he wants it to, you know? Because it's like, the, he's going to the land of the dead, and what use is the dead to, I don't know, the whole theory? Because it, it relies on living humans for the energy, right? Or does it not? So I, I honestly think that this could connect. Okay. I can see where he's going with the corporeal spirits connecting to the wisps because in this movie we see it occurring in Mexico, right? Oh, right. Okay. So that could be their version of the wisps in present day where the dead is watching over, but because the they don't believe in actually seeing them anymore through time that the wisps have turned into just a, a remembrance of, of ancestors. But if we go over to, what is it, Scotland? Scotland, yeah. If we go over to Scotland in the 10th century, people are more involved in the thought of magic and whatnot. So the wisps manifest themselves, or there's corporeal spirits of their ancestors manifest themselves as wisps. So it's just, this is like an extension of the magic idea, right? Like, I think so. Okay. I think the whole... The the way that this might connect is that it's the thought of how human power is the actual source of magic. It's not really magic just exists. I think it's kind of a, a poetic way to, to think about things where without humans, you can't have different things occurring. But then without the other things occurring, it's, it's like a codependency type of thing. Interesting. Yeah. Do you have a take on that, Nelson? Well, I mean, the way how Rissa was explaining it, I mean, it, it's interesting to see how that could also just reinforce the idea of where this so-called magic came from. It, it, it's, I mean, it's an, it's just something inherent that's in us mm -hmm. as humans. So mm -hmm. that's a pretty nice interpretation. I mean, that's my interpretation. I don't yeah, know. Well, if <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm not saying that that's what the John Negroni is saying either. But I just will admit that that's a pretty nice interpretation definitely 
it kind of would link the wisps and the and these spirits that they have in the cocoa so yeah especially with the alabrihe mm-hmm. oh yeah the spirit guides yeah so i mean maybe the wisps aren't the corporeal spirits but they're a form of the alabrihe but in scotland culture yeah that would be pretty interesting i can imagine back in the time for 10th or 14th century whichever you know we're we're talking about but back then people were way more superstitious right so maybe that could be a reason why you know those corporeal spirits just decided to make themselves flames yeah like visible for one yeah yeah Yeah, i I think i think it's interesting i would be interested to to read the new book and and see where coco and Cars and Incredibles 2 and Toy Story 4 fit in because I would hope that it adds to the theory rather than detracts from it because uh, I'm a little skeptical of Onward and Soul fitting in. Yeah, so I mean, we'll look at those in our next episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. I personally feel like similar that I for Finding Dory that Incredibles 2 and Toy Story 4, they're not needed. <laughs> They for, don't the, really, for the theory, for the theory right? yeah for this pixar theory i don't think they will really add anything but that's just my preview thought so my preview thought for toy story 4 is buckle up <laughs> <laughs> oh fair okay enough. fair enough and mine is i kind of saw he put out an article on onward already so i kind of read it and i was like well okay <laughs> yeah yeah all right so yeah to wrap it up go ahead rissa you want to say something about this Yeah, so reiterating my thoughts from the last episode, I I really do think that this is a creative way to think of the Pixar movies. In my personal opinion, I don't subscribe to the Pixar theory, and it hasn't changed from the original one to the revised one. But I do think it's such a brilliant way to think about things, and it, it really helps your thought process in deciding to watch which Pixar movies. So maybe I'll go and actually watch The Good Dinosaur now that it, it 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 actually helps beef up this theory did you get to watch cars 2 yet no <laughs> well <laughs> for yet. one thing bro you actually spoiled the story for me when yeah. we went over <laughs> oh i'm sorry <laughs> i was like oh he has an engine what i did i don't know what you're talking about sorry i about mean that. throughout this i just basically spoiled myself for all the movies but it's okay well yeah <laughs> true enough i mean it was i guess bound to happen if we were going to touch the pixar theory anyway right Right. Have the additional movies changed anything for you, Nelson? Well, I don't know. These uh these additional movies seem like pretty interesting to try and add to the 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 theory here. But um yeah, I still think Finding Dory is just a side story, not really adding anything to it. It was pretty interesting like trying to see how Negroni fit in Inside Out and The Good Dinosaur also. So that was a uh, pretty interesting. And uh, I mean I mean overall just this this theory in general is just, you know, it's something fun, fun to do, trying to connect all these different movies from this one studio. I, I It's a great idea just to try and, you know, play with it. So. It's a great mental exercise, too. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely a fun theory to just go over. And I appreciate this guy's effort into, you know, constantly trying to include it, all the movies that Pixar you know, turns out. I honestly want to say mad props to him and those that do subscribe to the Pixar theory because there's a lot of people out there poking holes at it. So good on you that you're trying to find ways to beef it up and refine it so that it still works. I also want to give him mad props for picking a side and sticking with it. You know, that's kind of like the key. If you're going to be a creative or something like that, you need to 
choose your side and then like just keep pressing it right props to john negroni for coming up with this and trying to add on to it every time pixar comes up with something he's just using each movie as like more ammo right yeah to try and support his own creative thoughts which is good like i said it's fun yeah i wonder if there's gonna ever be a movie that comes out that he's like forget it i'm done yeah (laughs) he's like i don't know how how to integrate this i mean yeah they're a pretty good studio so well it'll be funny when the creators actually start purposely trying to mess him up (laughs) well i mean you kind of alluded to that earlier with like uh, finding dory like it seemed like that was one of their first steps to try and truly start debunking things yeah poking holes Mm -hmm. you know what i kind of want to see is if he would try to integrate some of the shorts that pixar put out especially like things like the spark shorts those are fairly new and they're experimental and they're meant to like bring out emotion as well as show the technical aspects of animation, 3D animation. And I'm just like, well, how can you actually tie that into the Pixar theory, right? Uh, I don't think you can. Exactly. And then they have some other, you know, shorts that are just like, what can you do with that, right? Well, there's also the fact that a lot of the shorts in terms of their animation style are just completely different as well. They don't really fit in with the Pixar theory. If you compare, like, I think, was Bao Pixar? Ah. Well, the first thing that comes to mind was like Kitpull. Yeah. Or, oh, that that's a then... spark short. But uh, if you like look oh. at Piper. Yeah, or, like that. Yeah, like Piper. Um, Jerry's Game. La Luna. Oh, so those that like come before a movie. Right, yeah, the other yeah. ones in front of movies, yeah. They're completely different styles. So I, I don't really know if, if they can fit. Exactly. It's like, you know, try to fit that one in, John. <laughs> I think Bao is Pixar. Okay, okay. There you go. That too. It's still a different style, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you want anything you want to tell our listeners in closing, Rissa? Yeah. Thanks for joining us for part two of Unpacking the Pixar Theory. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to our thoughts of these added movies. And if you have any other different, you know, opposing thoughts or you think that we missed something, feel free to reach out. We're always available on our various social media platforms. But thank you again for supporting us, and I hope you all are keeping safe. And uh, Nelson, anything you want to tell our listeners? Yeah, thanks, guys, for joining us this week for episode two of the Pixar Theory, Our Thoughts. Yeah, we're going to be wrapping up next week as uh, we'll be diving into some of the other, the latest movies, essentially, like we kind of mentioned earlier. But uh, yeah, let's wrap it up and um, see what's ahead. Yeah. So I'd also like to thank all you listeners for tuning in to the second episode of the Pixar Theory. And we hope that you tune in next week for the conclusion. So on behalf of the other two, I'd like to say keep your watches, sync to Disney time. See ya. Bye. Later.